Why'd you put the bananas in there? What up, y'all? It is I, your host this evening, customer services resident bad boy, Adam Pacora, back at you for another Requiem for a Tuesday. And here we are on yet another beautiful Tuesday evening, you know, potentially Taco Tuesday for some. Uh, doesn't look that way for me, so we'll just uh, have to meditate on that. And uh, rejoice that, uh, you know, whatever. I'll have a taco again at some point. So fuck it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, we're going to do the usual plugs here. So uh, follow me on IG at adam.rfat. Got a link in the bio there. Send you to uh, any music stuff or my graphic design things. You know, if you want a little commish, you know, hit your boy up. Uh yeah, and the link to, if you somehow don't know how you got here, there's links to this on there as well. So, you know, we can do a whole Inception thing and uh, we rediscover ourselves. I think that sounds nice. Um, yeah, and then uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh goes a long way, you know. We're going to do the slow climb up the ladder here. One day we will be at that roof. Uh, yeah. I, I do not miss working on ladders. First job I ever had was a summer gig with uh, my best bud. And uh, we were painting the outside of houses, and it was brutal. It was terrible. Uh, after about four or five days, though, uh, we had no supervision for the rest of the summer. So that was pretty sick. We were like 18. Uh, you know, it was like 6 a.m. Never had to be up early in my entire life. You know, I don't count school. I wasn't up. You know what I mean? I didn't wake up till like lunch. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. So I I didn't uh take too kindly to the morning stuff. I remember it would take me like thirty five minutes to eat a bagel in the morning. <laughs> like I would just roll out of bed uh, when my boy called me and uh, grab a cold bagel, just hold it and try to sleep on the way to Arlington Heights, Illinois. It was brutal. And, you know, I'm not great with ladders, I found out, uh, especially, like, the big boys. You know, you get on a 40-fitter, I'm just clutching for my life, you know. And uh, there was hornets one time, you know, in somebody's gutter. It's like, what what the fuck? You know, I'm just on a ladder. Like, never felt more vulnerable in my entire life. So, I don't know how I got here, but that's fine. Uh, As you heard from the intro, you know, a little... Jerry Stiller, Frank Costanza, homage, you know, rest in peace to the legend, Jerry, uh, condolences, Ben, uh, you know, the Stiller fam, it's a bummer, uh, but let's celebrate it, you know, we're in a very sad time, I feel like we just gotta, we gotta press through something, you know, I don't wanna hear more of these, more of these downtrodden disappointments, you know what I mean, I want, come on, let's go, you know, football, right? <laughs> a pizza. Let's have a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it's very sad, obviously. Uh, but I just want to take this time, you know, and just uh, give a little bit of thoughts on, uh, you know, because I, I really only know Jerry Stiller through Frank Costanza and like brief, my brief interactions with King of Queens, which I will say you know, like, it's fine. It's better than, you know, your average sitcom. Now, that's a low bar, you know, so I don't know how much clout you want to give the King of Queens for that. Um, doesn't feel like it's in Queens, you know, <laughs> problem. Uh, Kevin James, you know, just his presence. It's just awkward, you know. I don't want to watch a big thumb. <laughs> I'd watch, you know, Thumb Wars, Thumb Tannic, the Thumb Productions. If I want to watch Thumbs, I'm going to do it right, you know. I don't need to see Kevin James throwing boxes at people. Uh, having said that, it is, if I'm going to watch, Ke- if I'm going to have to watch some Kevin James, it's probably going to be King of Queens because the supporting cast phenomenal. You know, Leah, Scientology, Romani, you know, the pasta, the pasta lady, and, <laughs> you know, Jerry Stiller, of course, you know, doesn't need to be said. Pat Oswald, you know, pre-Ratatouille fame, the clout level, insane. You know, Pat Oswald is a legend for life. And, you know, there was that other guy. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm blanking your name. I can see your face. Your last name's Hart, I think, sir. You know, come on the show. We'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, you know, solid supporting cast. It was fine. You know what I mean? Like, wa- totally watchable show. I feel like uh, Jerry Stiller's character was basically just Frank Costanza again. You know, didn't help. Like, the didn't help the integrity of the show, I guess, or that character. Like, you know, like, didn't raise the profile of it because it was like, okay, you know, you just did this. But also, like, you know, uh, batting a thousand because, like, you know that's going to work. You know, that's an incredible move at the same time. So don't fault him for it. Judge him a little. You know, you couldn't have tried. I don't know. Haven't watched enough of the show. Maybe he's completely different, but seems just like a quirky old man who yells to me, you know, but that's pretty simple. Frank Costanza, obviously a very dense man. What with his work in Korea and such and all that army stuff, you know, what a rich history that man has had. And, you know, Festivus too, like his invention. I mean, honestly, just a remarkable man. And to have a son like George, I mean, to just keep that legacy intact, I think that that's super impressive. Uh, big thing, like, I don't know, I started watching that show when I was uh, definitely too young to get it, but I was still entertained. Like, I, I could just tell it was different, you know. Uh, There's a big Seinfeld fanboy talking here right now, if you weren't already familiar, you know. We're talking, I'm talking top, ooh, three? Just shows period all time. Three is rough. I'm going to say five for sure, but it easily might be one. You know, I just haven't really thought it through, but I don't want to back myself into a corner here with three. We're going to go five. Okay. Uh, Comedies, top three is no question. I would say top two. I would say, yeah, I would say top two. We're not going to do this right now. Anyway, uh, I don't know if this is, like, a real thing that I thought or, like, if this was subconscious in my head or if I just made this up through, like, you know, some logical timeline piecing or whatever. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I always liked the Costanzas a lot because, like, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, I I always felt like that, like, uh, was a real portrayal of a family. You know, like realistic, obviously pretty extreme. They went <laughs> they went to some levels, you know, but I, I think that I never understood TV families that were all like fucking huggy and weird because that, that, I don't know. It's just not how my shit was, I guess. But I, I still think that that's weird now. It just it doesn't make sense. The super lovey dovey shit is like that's not entertaining anyway. Uh but yeah, I feel like uh, the other example of like a dysfunctional family on TV was only like Roseanne. You know, I mean, obviously married with children, but that was like strictly comedic. You know, it wasn't really going for any realism. I hope, <laughs> I guess. Uh, whereas like Roseanne was like lauded for its portrayal of, like real America. Fuck real America. Okay, real America is terrifying and I don't want anything to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, if you ever driven through just, like, a part of a place, it is horrifying uh, the way people are living, you know? And it's like, wow, I am in a bubble I did not know I was in. Uh, you know, I just had higher expectations for this place. They really, really hammer it home that it's great. And, boy, the sights are sore, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I just resent the fact that Roseanne basically says, you know, if you're poor and white trash, you know, you're probably going to be like this. And I resent not the poor part, you know, certainly didn't have not ever had any amount of money that I would consider not poor <laughs> at any time in my life. But, uh, the the trash part. It's like that you have to be like scummy and dirty and, you know, getting fights on the lawn, like in it you know what I mean? Like they just portrayed it as like a trailery way. <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, and uh you know, if you have a trailer and you're listening, uh, I don't apologize. You know, get a house, bro. Uh you should not be offended. You are exactly like deserving of every criticism, you know, (laughs) if it's a hundred percent a choice, then, and like you have the means to do other, but you choose not, then all the power to you. Um, 
I still think you should get a house. So we're just going to say that. But yeah, it, it just had like the trailery aspect to it where it's like, look at how fucking redneck scummy these people are. Whereas like you can be dysfunctional and not just like scum. I don't know the word that I'm trying to use, but just that like trash <laughs> bullshit. Uh, the Costanzas were just like, you know, they were just fucking angry and screaming. You know, they were just crazy. They were loud people. Some people are just loud. That can be a thing. Like, you don't have to be a hillbilly to also yell at your mother. <laughs> and I just resent that that, uh, that was the portrayal. And it was like, this is what families are like. It's like, ah, no. You know what I mean? Like, we clean the house. You know? Like, you know? You wash the dishes. You know, it's not fucking gross and all that shit. But yeah, so a lot of respect <laughs> for the Costanzas for that. I don't think that uh, they were trying to go for any any bold statements there. I think that uh, it's just one of those like, oh, you everybody knows a family like this. Uh, definitely, I wouldn't call it on par, but uh, I get it. You know what I mean? I, I lived a little bit of it. Uh, and, you know, Jerry Stiller was unbelievable the whole time uh i feel like it's not really talked about almost ever uh i didn't know about it until somewhat like relatively recently given how long i've been watching the show he wasn't even the original frank costanza there was another guy in in the first appearance episode uh the one where they park his car in the handicap spot (laughs) and it gets destroyed uh yeah it was just like some other guy he basically looked like if george was older and it wasn't the same. Uh, they redid the episode with Jerry Stiller. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, if during production they were able to get him or something. I don't really remember how that even happened or they did it twice. But, yeah, it was weird. And he, he was not as good, not as effective. Like, same lines, and he just did not nail them the same. Now, if that was the version I saw first, maybe I would be like that was maybe i would think it was a little bit better but i mean there's just no improving what jerry stiller did you know what i mean uh and uh seinfeld dad was originally a different actor as well he was in i think just the pilot no uh, he had a couple appearances he was in the the dinner party one as well i think so yeah strange choices they definitely upgraded the dad both times for both characters so i mean bravo you know, every little tweak that they made to that show was such an improvement. Uh, but yeah, so Frank Costanza. We're going to stay on topic here, at least for a little bit, because I could talk Seinfeld all day, obviously. I mean, uh, Seinfeld had, what, 180 episodes? You would probably think Frank Costanza was in 85 episodes, maybe? Maybe that's even selling it short for some, you know, for some reason. It seems like that might not be enough. It seems like he's around 50% of the time. Eh, a little less. Okay, I backtrack a little bit. You know, it feels like he's there like 40% of the time. No. No, 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 no. He's only in 29 episodes. Insanity. Like, to have that presence like that is unbelievable. The fact that, like, you can ride that supporting role so strong that, like, it feels like you're, like so much more a part of it like you win that's if you won like best supporting actor but you're in like four minutes you know and you just like nail it and take charge and so like everybody remembers it like you were in the whole movie but turns out you weren't and even when you rewatch it it's like damn he was awesome you know it just like never feels like a short amount of time that was the ultimate thing like every second he was on screen it was magnetic and like memorable and he has like a million quotables You know what I mean? As does everybody in the show. Like, the entire script is a quotable. Like, every episode, sure. But the delivery of Jerry Stiller is unparalleled. I mean... You want a piece of me? You got it! (laughs) Like, come on. (laughs) Everything is unbelievable. I could just quote him all day. It doesn't need to be done, frankly. Because, you know, you can go find him. But, I mean, rest in peace to the legend uh, in all of Del Boca Vista. 
you know, there's not a better Costanza. <laughs> that was not a good send off. And I apologize for the lackluster quote, but uh, you get the sentiment, you know, was trying to keep it all within the fam. Uh, but rest in peace, Jerry Stiller. Tough loss. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through some Frank Costanza episodes specifically. And uh, we'll have some fun with uh, the man's ear and such. Uh, marching onward. Because uh, we got to keep things fun around here. Uh, you like that little uh, Captain Kirk inflection there? It uh, That just slipped out. I wasn't even... I just channeled William Shatner casually. That wasn't even a part of my repertoire. Any type of planning. You know, you can look at my notes... I don't have any notes. And you'll see that, you know, total clean off the off the dome. Shatner. One day we'll make it. Boom. Oh my god. Catch me in the fourth Star Trek reboot in 2036. I'm gonna be Captain Kirk and I'm gonna nail it. I wanna be in the meta Star Trek movie that's us there that's about filming the Star Trek movie, so I'm playing William Shatner playing Captain Kirk during the production, you know, but it's like a fictional production, right? It's a movie, it's like the next movie we haven't seen, or whatever, it's like the lost film, but they don't have the film film, they have the film of filming the film film. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. You're basically watching the behind-the-scenes doc of the entire production while also getting to watch the real movie in spurts. You know, similar to Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 7, greatest reunion of all time. Season 6? Ooh, fuck. Uh, Yeah, so that would be dope. Just came up with that right now. Uh, The meta Star Trek film where we get to see the original cast make a movie set in the 60s, maybe. Maybe set it, like, not anywhere near the motion picture let's set it in between the end of the original series and the beginning of the animated series let's say they tried to make a feature film right in there and it got lost and then so this would be a reenactment of a fake production of a movie that would have been amazing so all of it is amazing at once boom you're welcome uh they just come to me you know this is what i mean give me the think tank job i can churn out fucking bangers okay (laughs) somebody write the script give me a production credit we'll talk um that's kind of like i really want i think i might have said this already but i really want jim carrey to play gene rayburn in a rated r fast-paced constant motion uh movie about match game totally fictional i don't know the basis for any of this but you know they're drinking they're doing coke one guy's passed out blah 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 people are fucking people are yelling all this shit and it's all during like the production of one episode or whatever however you want to do it but uh you know almost almost like steve jobs the sorkin one you know the good one like imagine if it's like okay we're backstage at this episode but it's like that for the whole entire 90 minutes or however long it needs to be. I just think Jim Carrey nailed that role. I think everybody that was on that show was insane. And we would probably have to do like a fake show that's really similar, you know, just to avoid copyrights and likeness and stuff and like do characters that are composites and blah, blah, blah. But we can make it happen. You know, just a crazy 70s game show party zone. <laughs> and that show's perfect for it because everybody seems so fucked up the whole time. And I just think that that would be an excellent film. So, yeah, give me a call. Again, uh, executive producer right here. I, You know, we, if you want to get Paul Thomas Anderson, so, you know, <laughs> so be it. That's fine. I have, I have no gripes with that. He's the GOAT. Anyway, enough with the bits. Well, never enough with the bits. There's always going to be bits. And uh, the part about those being great ideas, not a bit. Because, come on, I'm a fucking genius. Anyway. Uh... I'm just going to keep uh, the Michael Jordan commentary going just because, you know, I'm watching week to week and it is just phenomenal. I think these were the best episodes yet. These were the real, like, behind-the-scenes episodes that they were, like, really, really teasing. But I was saying, like, felt kind of missing from the show. Like, where's the 1998 stuff? Or, you know, like, all that archive footage that they're talking about, like, that has never been seen before. It's like, where are these practices and whatever? Uh, a lot of those were shown, and this was supposed to be the, like, I don't like MJ episode, but it's like, dude, it, it, 
the, the competitive spirit is beyond respectable. Uh, was he like a dick? Sure. But I mean, the results mattered the most. You know, it was a leadership thing. It wasn't just being an asshole. Uh, but I mean, when you're the best ever at something, it's going to be annoying when other people can't keep up with you. You know what I mean? And that's why he's always called his team a supporting cast. He And also that was how basketball was back then. Like it was the star and his team. Whereas now you can't really say things like that. Partially because you have three, four stars on a team. Uh, we don't got to go into that. Uh, but yeah, and then like he was just talking about competition and just burst into tears with passion. <laughs> that is almost frightening frankly like in the best way possible but like jesus dude i couldn't talk about anything and be that passionate about it i don't think you know what i mean like to just be able to just be like man i just love winning so much it's like wow you are wired differently man and uh all the respect in the world mj you know what i mean I I absolutely love the doc. I'm probably I would love to rewatch it from the beginning once it's over because it is just it is incredibly well done. It's super it's hard to get to like see it. You know what I mean? You kind of see the same Bulls highlights over and over and over again. And it's just cool to see other sides of the story and like it kind of really takes you back to the place. So you can get the real opinion of it at the time. Cuz I mean they go into his retirement and it's like it's easy to just say he won three titles, retired, came back, won three more. You know what I mean? But, like, that is insane. If if LeBron retired, like, six years ago, <laughs> you know, it would have been fucking crazy. Like, when Andrew Luck announced he retired, I remember being like, holy shit, that's nuts. And that's Andrew Luck. You know what I mean? That's a top ten guy, arguably. I was never a big fan, personally. Uh, that's beside the point. But, like, you know what I mean? That's not a GOAT by any stretch he wasn't even the best player in the league ever at one point you know what i mean so way lower level and it's still shocking so i can only imagine and especially in chicago i'm sure it would have been devastating it's like jesus this really has to happen like we get one thing going for us and he just fucking leaves you know that would be brutal uh but the fa- and also the fact that I, I never thought about it like that either. Like the fact that he wasn't quote wasn't good at baseball. He went from being just an NBA player to like not even playing baseball, not at all. You know, being the greatest basketball player ever. So there's a, uh, an insane amount of pressure on your skill already, and just doing it. You know, he's like thirty, thirty one years old, and is just like I'm gonna be a pro baseball player now instead. It's like, you can't just make that transition. That's insane. Uh, so the fact that he did as well as he did is already a thing. I've said that before, though, too. Like, they they they, they said, like, had the lockout not happened the next year, he was on his way to getting called up. Probably just a triple-A. I think he was still in double-A at the time. So it would have been a long thing. It would have taken three, four years. But what guy comes out of the NBA and is just like, all right, I'm going straight to the majors. You know what I mean? You have to start out in some kind of system, usually. I don't know. Especially when you're not like a college player. It's just a whole other thing. So I give him the pass on that. But all of that, yeah, I can like the baseball thing always sounds shocking anyway. Like ever since I was a kid, I was like, he quit to play baseball? It's fucking crazy. But even the specifics that I just mentioned like never came to mind really. Until I watched it on the dock. I don't know why. I just didn't think that in depth about it. Because I wasn't there. You know. I didn't think about the panic that that would have caused. Retiring that early and at that much of a peak. And then to come back and do it again. Unbelievable. You know. We all know that part. But uh, yeah. It's just been fantastic. I uh, absolutely love it. Highly recommend. You know. What what are you doing? You know. Besides listening to this wonderful show. You know. I got the Rex here for a reason. I... Um, also just began, I'm not going to touch on this too much because the reason I started rewatching the wire again, I'm going to at least do season one. I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole series again. Uh, it's quite a commitment. If you haven't already watched, it is the best, but I'm just going to say, I'll go into that in a second. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it that much just because the only reason I decided to start rewatching it other than I always think about it. What pushed me over the edge was, uh, Jamel Hill and, um, 
Van Lathan, I believe. Uh, sorry if I'm incorrect in that. They did. They started a podcast called Way Down in the Hole for The Ringer. You know, top tier right there. The Ringer. Gotta love The Ringer. Everything that they do. Uh, and I was just like, fuck. Well, if I'm going to listen to the podcast, I'm going to have to watch the show again. You know, right there with them. And uh, absolutely started it. It's It's way better now the third time I think I've watched the first season. Uh, definitely the second, but either way, like just knowing what you know, it's better. You get to watch really just how good the show is. Uh, and for those who don't know, just a brief summary, it's basically about the entire city of Baltimore. <laughs> um, but the first season is really just about, uh, these specific police officers trying to take down a crack and heroin empire. But from the perspective of everybody and you realize like everybody has to do bullshit and like the cops aren't that good and sometimes the drug dealers are and sometimes they have the exact same problems within their uh, jobs, you know, and it's just a really cool and realistic way. Like it was made by a guy who like worked in journalism, I believe, and like a guy who was a homicide detective and a lot of it's based on real stuff. It's just really accurate portrayal, really amazing thing. And just incredibly well written too like all the dialogue is phenomenal and right off the jump like uh you just get a whole different vibe i feel like no police show has ever come close to the wire period uh but also just like of being real real whereas this one is where it's like they're dealing with like politics and like you know what i mean like budget issues and getting favors and chain of command and all this shit and it's i don't know it just really shows a true-ish, like it's still a show, you know what I mean? So it has a little bit of show stuff in it. I'm, I'm not acting like this is a documentary. Um, it's definitely getting, probably a lot more interesting than real life would be, as always is with television. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I, I, I can't imagine a show just seeming more real. And, like, an honest reflection of what's going on. And they eventually get into, like, the school system and the media and other shit as it goes on. And they just, like, build the world where there's there's already, in the first season, there's, like, 25 characters. <laughs> and it only gets, the list only grows from there. Now, it definitely shrinks a little bit, if you know what I'm saying, along the way. But then it builds back up at the beginning of each season. Then it gets a little bit chopped down as we go. Uh, but it's phenomenal. Everybody, please watch it. Uh, if if there's any reason to do more on it, I shall. But again, like since I basically got the idea to watch it from a podcast, I'm not really gonna try to steal that and uh, do my own. Although it is a great idea. Uh, speaking of which, like I I was thinking about like, let's say great case scenario. You know what I mean? Uh, we start popping off. And by we, I mean me. You know what I mean? The one-man show. The only guy you need in town. Uh, yeah, we start popping off, and then let's say I get the means, and I'm like, well, because my dream has always been, not dream, well, a dream. I, I'm, a, I'm a dreamer, ladies and gentlemen. I, I got the big ideas, as you know. I'm the idea man. So one of my many... <laughs> um. It would just be awesome to, like, run a record label, you know? That would just be super cool to me. I think so. Now, that would be pretty difficult, and you know, just financially alone. A whole lot would go into that, blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> an offshoot of that is what I'm getting at uh, would be, like, if I had a podcast network, right? Uh Let's talk hypothetically here. You know what I mean? I don't got any grounds in motion here. I'm just fucking, I'm sitting in a chair on the floor in my bedroom right now. You know what I mean? I'm not delusional about nothing yet. We'll see. <laughs> Let's see how long this quarantine keeps up. Maybe I'll think I'm a star by the end of it. Who knows? Um, But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would want to do like a lot of specific shows, I feel like. And it's like, you know, you do like your... 10 to 15 minute programs uh they could be about whatever you know I've, I've talked about how i wanted to do like a microwave one where it's like the podcast is as long as it takes to cook and then eat and then review so that could be like a 15 minute podcast uh 
And then, you know, whatever. You have your 30 minutes, your hours, your two hours, your three hours. And they're all varying categories. Maybe some are scripted. Maybe some are like radio serials. You know what I mean? Where there's like produced. We do like Foley and sound and all of that to it. Uh, we could do scripted, unscripted. We could do like characters like I've talked about, like how I've always wanted. Let's say like Troy and Abed to do a podcast in character. That could be cool. Or one out of character. You know, we could have both versions of that. Scripted or unscripted and both versions of that. You know, whatever. Um, I just feel like all those variations, you know, and if you get them all in one place, it's like, oh, this is like the network I go to because they got killer shit. I think that obviously that's already in place so that and it's not by any means like an original idea. But I think just having all of the same kind is a mistake almost. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure that there's plenty of networks that do that already. That's just uh, what I would like. And uh, also, like, imagine if a show rebooted just as a podcast. Like, if if a show got canceled, obviously because of its ratings, like, that's why it would be canceled. But let's say it also had a big budget, right? Like, the production was just rough for whatever reason. Uh, why can't a show be rebooted as a podcast? It'll It'll be tough to transition it, I'm sure. You know, whatever show it is, no matter what, like, you're going to rely on some visual stuff. Um, but especially, like, the more dialogue-heavy it gets. Like, uh, let's say, like, Clerks 3, right? Like, if, if Kevin Smith wanted to be really ambitious, not, again, not to dog on Kevin Smith. It's just that Clerks is a very talky film where you almost don't need to watch it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, they're not bad-looking movies by any means. I'm just saying, like, you could probably just put that movie on audio and you would still get the gist of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, whether you've seen it or not, or how to picture it or whatever. So let's just say, like, they did Clerks 3. Maybe not 3. Let's not ruin the movie. I think that that's, that's why I feel sour about saying that. Uh, let's say, like, they wanted to reboot Clerks into a TV series again. Like, they did the animated one, which is awesome, whatever. Uh, why not just do that as a podcast where it's like if the show is just people talking anyway, let's just do it like that. So why not reboot a show, movie, sequel to something, whatever, but as an audio-only version? And then, again, we can still do, like, effects and sounds or whatever, but it's just going to cost way less, period. You know what I mean? Like, without the cameras, it's huge. And, you know, like, your major players would still get, like, the video versions as, you know, all the biggest podcasts do now. So, like... Not saying none of that would happen, but you know, just like you have all the all this room to play in format and style, and it's just exciting. Like I feel like there's a lot more that could be more mainstreamly done that is exciting in podcasting that I know is already being done. You know, uh, I just think if it were all in one really dope place, that would be cool. And if that is true, please direct me to that place. I'd love to find it, but I would also love to do it. But I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do anything. Don't listen to me. That's like uh, my favorite game to play with myself. <laughs> it's like, how can I think of this great idea? And then how do I realize that I have no way to make it happen? Isn't that fun? <laughs> I feel like that's really been a quarantine theme. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, let's go do this. Oh, we can't. Oh, let's go. Uh, no. Have you been doing? Nope. Can't. You know, just no matter what, it's like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, and some days, like, oh, I started the quarantine by, like, doing a little EP I've talked about, but, uh, like, making music. It's just, like, uh, once I do a project, I get, like, hyper-focused in, whatever the project may be. It doesn't have to be music <coughs> specifically, but I get focused in, and I just want to work on it. And it's just, like, all I want to do, and it's all I do do, and I do it until it's done. You know, take breaks when I need to, whatever. And once I get that burst out, it's like I can't just force myself to try it again. You know what I mean? It's like I got to get back into that mode. And my issue is that I don't know how to channel it, right? So there's been like a couple of days where I'm like, all right, let's jam today. But it's like I just like can't. I, if I don't feel it, it's just like nothing good's going to come out of it. And I feel like quarantine brings that funk is what I'm getting at. I almost lost it. I almost lost it. You might have heard me trail off. But uh, I brought it back home. 
you know, like Bobby Deeran. Uh, that new album, I think, is going to be great, by the way, the Bob Dylan album. Uh, and, oh, see, now I did trail off. Where was I? Just kidding, bro. I'm on top of it. You don't listen. You know, uh, I think it's just natural to be kind of bummed out by this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everybody's saying, like, hey, dude, like, everybody's fucking sad. <laughs> They're just stuck inside. It's 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 depressing. Uh, and so, yeah. Like, I try not to feel bad about it, but it's also like, dude, I have so much free time. That That's the problem. It's not like what I feel I should or shouldn't. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm uh, upset with me that I don't want to do it. It's just like I'm aware that logically it's like, oh, I've got a bunch of time. So would be nice to just keep keep at it. I know that it's fine that I'm not, but it's still just like, man, this sucks. Like, I wish I could just be at it. You know what I mean? I feel like everything has to turn into this, like, debate no matter what, right? It's like somebody's like, oh, uh, Adele lost weight. She looks great. And then somebody's like, don't say she looks great. She always looked great. And it's like, well, yeah, sure, right? But that wasn't what we were doing, you know? So, like, why are you... Why are you changing it into a whole other conversation? I just don't think that that needs to be a thing. It's like, I can be bummed that I'm not working on shit. It doesn't mean that, like, you have to tell me it's okay to not, whatever. It's like, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you don't need to tell me, like, because, like, er the internet is a psychology major now, what is and isn't okay for me to feel. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know. I'm not stupid. <laughs> well, that's an argument that we could have. Uh, <laughs> but, come on. Throw me a bone, at least. Just assume that I get it. You know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, there's definitely positives coming out of it. I've never uh, done routine exercise more in my entire life. And granted, it hasn't been very long. I'm on to like, I'm on to like a five to seven daily. Wait, what? Five to seven days a weekly thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to do it most of the time already. You know, I was really into it for about a week. And I'm like, ah, you know, I could do without. <laughs> I could skip it today. Maybe get a cheeseburger. But uh, I'm trying. You know, but it doesn't help to wake up and just be like, oh, fuck. Well, let's do it again. It's, t it's weird to be in a routine where the routine doesn't include leaving i think that's the problem it's like i don't want to like do this there's no sense to this it's like i'm trying to get myself into like a daily thing but it's like why these days are random and chaotic let's keep it that way let's thrive in the nothingness ladies and gentlemen and you know whatever else just kidding but not really but yeah uh, yeah, and I'm really indecisive about what to watch. That's the most annoying thing ever. I'm always like that. I have an abundant collection of DVDs. I got like three streaming services. There's always YouTube. And I just cannot, <laughs> I, I cannot for the life of me pick something. And it's like, when I finally think of a thing that I like, it's like, oh, that's not streaming on anything. And it's like, well, I guess I'm not going to watch anything. You know what I mean? It's like I always want to watch the one thing I can. It just destroys me every time. But uh, I did order a copy of Good Burger, uh, the classic from 96, 98. Ugh. I hate it's like numbers that look the same are the reason why I don't remember them. It's not that I don't know which year it is. Like, I know it's one of those two, but those numbers with the curves and the whatnots. You've seen them, you know. <laughs> they look the same sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'm going to do a full review on that. I know I have t I've talked about it a little bit on one of these episodes at some point. Although, you know, as we know, I do that thing. That thing you do. Uh, I don't know that song, that thing you do. I know that that's a thing you do. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know why or where that came from. Or if that was accurate. And I don't really care, frankly. As you can tell, I'm kind of losing it. You know, this this whole pod has felt pretty, like, 
disjointed. It's it's felt real ranty, uh, which is good. You know, I got to bring my Bill Burr energy sometimes. I feel like uh, for every every episode, every like three episodes that I have a solid plan where it's like I know what I'm going to nail, I, I got to turn out one of these where I'm just like, let's just fucking air out the vents, bro. You know what I mean? Like, let's take the shirt off. Let the armpits flap in the breeze. Stick the head out the sunroof. Put your eyes on the prize. Yeah, whatever that means. I, I don't really know. Just give me a million dollars. We'll figure it out. We'll make uh, we'll make all the projects happen. Uh, I will say in all seriousness, though, big shout out to Adrian via Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Via is not the white word. word. I was going to say Allah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Adrian, Allah, Yoga with Adrian. Uh, but yeah, Via is not the right word. But shout out to uh, Adrian. Uh, that has been my instructor. Uh, you know, bought a little mat, 10 bucks, chilling. Uh, good thing to do. If you're looking for something, nice little... Nice little meaty exercise. Keep those bones intact. You know what I mean? Keep those quads pumping. There's uh, plenty of good shit on there. And I highly recommend it. And that's what I've been doing. And, uh, you know, shout out. You know, you got to give credit where credit's due. Sometimes. Because sometimes you got to cheat on something. So, you better not give any credit for that. You're going to go to prison. Uh, But yeah, earlier... I briefly mentioned Troy and Abed. How about in the last episode, how I semi-called a community revival thing because of the Parks and Rec special. Uh, Community was the example I gave, and I was like, yeah, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, they definitely kind of could do that still. And they're just doing a table read of an existing episode, but, but Donald Glover, back at it, so... You know, all the cogs really fell into place on that one. You know, if somebody heard the pod, you know, give me a little shout out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I definitely know that I am not the reason why that happened, but uh, I'm going to act like I am because <laughs> that's what big shots do. And I'm a, I'm a big shot now. I got my big shot shoes on. Um... I do, however, I do have a last topic prepared. I'm not going to front, you know. I, I don't think I could go in with zero plan. I don't think that that would ever work. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Pavement. The Boys. Uh, fucking phenomenal band from the 90s. Almost strictly. <laughs> uh, all their albums came out in the 90s. Which is why, and I will explain why, I would call them the best band of the 90s. And for me, uh, that is because when you say that, I think you have to go, I would personally like to go with the output of that decade. Not like, oh, they're from this decade, so it's like a technicality, right? Um, because otherwise, then then the answer is Radiohead. Although they technically formed in the 80s, so it's like even if you wanted to play that card and you go Radiohead the best band of the 80s, that would be insane. You know what I mean? you got to go by output when. So I think if Kid A came out in 2000, then by default, just off Kid A and OK Computer, you would have to run that with Radiohead. But I think that just because they only got the Benz and OK Computer, we don't talk about Pop Blow Honey. Again, I've never listened to it. Probably never will. We'll see. I've tried. I've tried a couple times. D- didn't go well. Um, but I, I just think on output quality, like five albums, all killer, in my opinion. Now, they have varying degrees of like greatness, absolutely. Uh, but they're all good. Like I'll put on any one of those five records and I'm going to like it. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to be like, put this on instead. You know, because they're all different, they're all their own, and they're all good. I think so. Um, again, some better than others. But for my money, I would say that they are the best band of the 90s. Uh, I mean, Nirvana, never got it. I still don't. Pearl Jam, don't get it. You know, whoever you want to throw at me. Uh, there might be, like, you could probably say some rappers had better runs in the 90s. Sure, but we're talking, I'm talking just bands here. 
Uh, so yeah. Anyway, for those not familiar, you know, indie rock outfit from Northern California, I think. I don't really know. They had like a hippie drummer who like was crazy and like unreliable, so they had to replace him. Uh, and it was like all sad, and he was like acided out or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I have the documentary. They have a documentary about like their reunion tour or some shit. Jesus. I don't even remember. I need to rewatch that documentary. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they put out five records and they came up a lot in bands I like's like inspo list, namely Animal Collective. Animal Collective is listed Pavement. Animal Collective is my favorite band for those who don't know. Uh, they have listed Pavement as like a major influence on them for like multiple times. And I've heard other bands list Pavement. I'm like, oh, I keep hearing this name. You know, I got to check them out. And then like on the surface, uh, it does kind of, it would strike you if you just listen to one song and it's not the right example. Um, as like, oh, there's just some indie band, you know, it's got like the lazy slacker guitar style on certain, you know what I mean? Like pre Mac DeMarco, but like, you know, nineties college radio indie rock. That's kind of what you get on surface level intro to pavement. But the lyrics are nuts. The melody, like, you know what I mean? Like the melodies are pretty like clever and like the playing is so intricate and fucking experimental and weird. Like the guitars get so weird and the drumming can like just be so off, but it works. And it's like, they, they just get really creative and go nuts a lot of the time. Like it'll turn into these like crazy breakdowns and like, They'll get like really heavy for a second or they'll like scream and then they'll get really soft and they'll like stop and start, you know, and I'm not Anthony Fantano here, you know, like I'm not here to do like any reviews or anything. Um, but I just think, you know, if you're looking for something new and something that's different, check them out. But I mean, like if you're into just like fucking killer riffs and shit, like check them out. Good lyrics. Check them out. You know what I'm saying? Like, just got to show respect where it's due. And it sucks because they were going to do a rare reunion. I think they did one 10 years ago, and it had been 10 years since they broke up or something like that at that time. Uh, and they were only, like, booked for two shows, and it wasn't, like, anything I was going to be able to go to as far as I can remember. Uh, but it's, like, likely that those will be canceled. And it's, like, what if that means that that's a permanent cancellation now? You know, because a lot of the guys in the band are doing other projects and stuff, and it's it's going to fuck with a lot of cross-timelines, and that's kind of what I fear. Like, the jumble that's going to happen in the venue industry, I kind of talked about it a little bit when I was uh, chatting with Lenny recently, uh, was what's it going to be like? Like, if, if everything has to get rescheduled and pushed back, like, who's going to get cut? You know what I mean? Because at some point, some things are just going to have to get dropped, whether the individual venue has to do it or somebody has to do it for their entire tour because they already have another one or something like that. Um, and it just sucks. It's scary for like the whole industry because every venue is struggling right now anyway. Not, not that Pavement was going to be playing a venue. I'm pretty sure that it was festival style. Uh, but those are being canceled too. So, I mean, it's just like at, at what point are we ever going to get back to this because... I mean, live shows require, they're literally called crowds. You know what I mean? Like, they require a lot of people to be close together. That's just how it works. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a very long time before everybody's comfortable doing that. What, like, I mean, who knows with legally? Because the country certainly doesn't seem to give a fuck and they just want to open everything up. And hey, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's out of my hands. There's nothing I can do to stop that. But I guess write a letter to your congressman. <laughs> they work for us. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you still think that. That's fine. Uh but even even that's gonna take over like already over a whole nother month to happen, just like guaranteed, just based on where we're at. Um so I mean, are there even gonna be that many venues left? Like it's just like really, it's just like only the financially strong will survive and it just seems like everything is just going to be mega corporate out 
after this. It's like you can only see the expensive shit at the expensive place for a lot of money. And it's like it's going to be a struggle for any independent act. You know what I mean? And it's just like, obviously, this all spawned from me thinking about Pavement, who used to be one of these acts, and like missing out on their big reunion factor when they're only going to do a handful of things a year, also a bummer, like Rage. Whereas, like, Rage is rescheduling, I think, because, like, you know, those guys aren't as active anymore, you know, because Prophets of Rage was a fucking disaster. We don't need to really talk about that. Big mistake. Um... And that's a way bigger draw. You know what I mean? Like, they were selling platinum records when they were out, and they've only grown and become more relevant as this country has buried itself uh, head first <laughs> in the dirt. Uh, so all of that makes sense, and I'm glad that they're still doing that. Uh, I probably won't be attending because it is ironically insanely expensive. Uh, that's, uh, that's the only thing I have against Rage. And they donate, like, all their shit, and I get it. Uh, but you could just make it cheaper. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you're, like, for the people, you know, I, I don't know. That's a weird gray area, though. It's like you're fucking artist, and you deserve to get paid for making such great things. So I do understand that side of it as well. But uh, it's a little ironic. Um, But it's like... In that scenario, right, like, who does that knock out? Like, if they need to go to the same places at the next time, you know what I mean? Because that draw is going to be huge. So, like, some event in some production company. Like, I'm just worried about a domino effect where it's, like, if one thing gets bumped and the next thing, and before you know it, it's, like, everybody's fucked and, like, nobody gets to tour and all these places just shut down. Yeah. That's what listening to Pavement got me thinking about. So just imagine what you could go through when you listen to them. <laughs> um, it's just a concern I have. I'm worried about it because uh, I definitely have been slacking in the shows that I was, well, obviously now, but in the shows I was going to, like, uh, I was skipping a bunch of stuff. And it's like I kind of regret it now, obviously. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but especially right now, it's like, oh, man, I definitely should have been on more roof decks. You know what I mean? Like sipping a cold one on a roof with a bunch of weirdos. I'd be the weirdo, you know, but they're all weirdos because I'm the weirdo. You know, you know what I mean? It's all perspective, bro. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I I just hope everything gets back so I can do it. We, we had a show booked on Easter. We were going to play Empty Bottle. It was going to be amazing. It's going to be a great experience for me. A lot of fucking amazing people have been on that stage. Just the fact to have done that. Nobody would have been there, you know. I know. But for me, that's it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. Uh, I'd like for people to come to things <laughs> uh, in the future. But, uh, you know, and it's like, will, will we even get that shot again? That's a fucking mystery. Probably not, you know. It's just like, how could how could you, you know. Uh, on the inverse side, there may be a surplus, like a place like that maybe normally wouldn't be seven nights a week could now be seven nights a week because a lot of people need to play. Maybe a lot of people will be willing to go to smaller venues. You know, you just got to hope that uh, everybody's willing like, to maybe take a cut or to do something a little different to help out whatever. To You know what I mean? Like, you got to hope that everybody's willing to work with everybody and not battle everybody for it because I think we're all going to be hurt in the entertainment realm if that happens. And by that, I don't mean, like, I'm an entertainer. Well, I I mean, I guess I am, right, to some. But uh, I mean, like, as a fan, like, we're going to be lacking entertainment, you and I, you know, from from the fucking kings of the king, the creme de la creme, the crop de la crop, so they say. Um, but yeah, pavement. <laughs> uh, their first album, Slanted and Enchanted, fucking incredible front to back. I think you'll love it. Uh, <laughs> that's just my recommendation. I think that if you don't like it, uh, you, I don't, I don't know. We're going to have some disagreements on a lot of things, you know? Uh, second one's more poppy. They tried to get a little more radio friendly, you know, whatever. Great for a second record. Could easily have been a huge disappointment. Uh, they didn't try to get weirder with it because they did that on the third one. Uh, Wowie Zowie, it's called, and it is my absolute favorite 
of theirs. It is way longer than all the other records. It has way more songs. The songs are like shorter on average, but it has more songs and is longer. Uh, just because there, there's like 18 tracks on it. Some of them are like a minute, you know. Uh, it goes by pretty fast. It goes by faster than their second album, in my opinion. Uh, even though that's literally not true. It feels like it. Uh, and that's the one where they just fucking go off. They just do whatever. Like, I talked about it getting weird. Like, they try to do that as much as possible on this one. And I'm always into that. I'm always into, like, the innovative thing. I like it when something is off, like, a, you know, a crazy time signature or whatever the fucking case may be. I love me some chaos in my music. And uh, that album does it. And then... Bright in the Corners, just a fucking great, solid record, and Terror Twilight is, you know, a little bit less good. <laughs> but they always just, they always have their own kind of cohesive, they all, every record is cohesive. They all have their own sound, and the band has its own sound, which is also maintained throughout, which is magnificent, because every album sounds different, but it sounds like pavement, and that is something to strive for as a musician. It's, it's hard. Oh, nobody really does that. Uh, and yeah, I just think that a, there, there's something about a flawless, even if short, discography that is always awesome to me. Like, if you can bat super... Like, if you're batting a 1,000, that's insane. You know what I mean? Like, Kanye did it for eight records. You know, and then we got to... We got a little later on, and, you know, like, maybe seven... But whatever. I mean, they were all fucking at least really good for seven. Arguably eight, I would say eight. Uh, but definitely seven. And that's insane. So, and I mean, the batting average is still incredibly high at what it's at. You know, don't get me wrong. Dre spread it out over fucking three decades. But, hey, three records, all amazing. Like, the worst one I would get. Like, I would give Compton, like, an 8.1. Again, not trying to be a review guy this time. But, uh, you know what I mean? And there's just something about that where it's like, oh, you can just listen to any one of their albums no matter what, and it's going to be fucking sick. Uh, at the same time, some people would rather have a lot of output where the average might be lower, but you got more solid shit, uh, like a previously mentioned Bobby Deeran, as I like to call him. Uh, but that's also a longevity thing, so that's a whole nother argument that you can make. Like if you're around for a long time, you're just going to have a lot of albums and eventually they're going to, there's just going to be a dud you would think. Uh, but I mean like Fiona Apple, she's like batting really high things like that. It's just like super cool to know that somebody just like really fucking nailed it. And I like, that's why I almost like the pavement stopped because it's like they, they knew it was getting worse and it was only going to get worse because they didn't like each other. You know what I mean? It's just like, no matter what you would have wanted to happen, it would not have gone well. Unlike, oh, we're doing a tie-in, ladies and gentlemen, and a callback. Unlike the Chicago Bulls, where the team would have been fucking fine if Jerry Krause didn't break them up. You know what I mean? Like, that didn't have to happen. Whereas, like, pavement had to happen because they were those people, and those people didn't like each other. Whereas, you know what I mean? Like, if the team hated each other, then sure, break up the team. But just because you hate the team doesn't mean you get to do that, right? Like, if the label was like, y'all got to stop, and they're like, oh, we don't want to, then that would be bullshit. Uh, but I think if you get to leave on your own terms, a la Michael Jordan, uh, then you did the right thing for you. You know what I mean? And if you decide that that wasn't correct, then you just come back. You know what I mean? Like, it really is that simple. I think that if you think you've reached your powers, while it is dumb to say, like, we're done, and then come back, at the time, you know, you were. You know, Jay-Z's retirements look a little dumb, because he would retire and then put an album out, like, the next year or whatever, and it's like, okay, retire isn't the right word. Sometimes you need to know when to use the word hiatus. Because <laughs> um, then, like, a reunion isn't like, oh, we broke retirement. It's like... We came out of it for a minute, but we're going right back into it. You know what I mean? Um, but I think if they were to come back and do a new album, you know, I'm all for it. Because <laughs> uh, LCD Sound System did not fucking disappoint by any means. 
Uh, not that they're similar in any way, but I mean, it's just like there are some bands that are so great where it's like, if you tell me you're going to make more, I'm all for it, no matter what. You know what I mean? And how bad could it be? I mean, Melkmas is still out there fucking killing it, uh, which I didn't mention. <laughs> I mentioned that Pavement had side projects, but uh, Stephen Malkmus was uh, like the principal singer-songwriter. He's got a whole bunch of solo records that are all supposedly very great. You know, haven't even dove into those. It's just, it's just, mwah, just beautiful. You know what I mean? And yeah, I've just been trying to really re-listen to stuff that I know I like, but I maybe wouldn't have in my normal rotation. Uh, which is kind of wanted, why I wanted to bring it up here. I just feel like now that we have the time where we're just kind of sitting around, it's like uh, if you know you like an album or maybe you didn't give one enough of a chance or, you know, maybe you're trying to find something new, whatever the reasons are for whatever you're listening to. I just think now we have a chance to really listen and pay attention to things that maybe we didn't get to before. Like, I know there's plenty of albums that I've uh, listened to for the first, second, third, whatever, however many times where, you know, maybe I was in the car talking to somebody or maybe I had my headphones in, but I was on the train and, I, or, and then I was on the bus and then it was like loud and then it wasn't and I didn't get to really focus. Or maybe I was looking at my phone while I was doing it because I had to, you know, do whatever where it's like now we have all this time to just sit and fucking sit, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's time to just go front to back, just zone in and just focus on it. And you, I think it's a more rewarding experience. Now everybody knows that with listening to music, but uh, I just think now is the best time to be able to do it. So if you're looking for some shit to check out, uh, I recommend them. That's my music wreck of the week. Uh, we're not going to make that a regular segment uh, because I don't think that that went very well at all. So this was my uh, unprepared pod of the <laughs> of the month. I <laughs> uh, hope you still enjoyed it anyway. Uh, but I'm gonna fucking skedaddle before you know we get into a bigger fucking disaster here. Uh, so just remember that I are fat, you are fat, and uh, we are fat. Calc you later, everybody. Peace out.